0: Hey guys, it's Scott. I just want to thank you for tuning in to the Blue Ridge Church podcast. You know, I hope this is encouraging to you. I hope it's inspiring to you. And I pray most of all, it's going to help you on your faith journey. So enjoy today. Well, good morning and welcome to Blue Ridge Church. Thank you all so much for being here with us today. My name is Matt, and I'm really excited you chose to be here with us and watch online because we're kicking off a brand new series called Grateful. And if you couldn't guess it, what we're going to talk about is being grateful and being thankful, especially at this time of the year, right? It's kind of the Thanksgiving, Christmas stretch where we've got just a couple months left before the end of the year. And typically, things go really fast, right? Typically, right after Halloween, I mean, it just goes boom, boom, boom. We're done with the whole year. And a lot of times what can happen is we go by so quick that we forget to take a couple minutes or even take a couple days and to slow down and to really be thankful and grateful for what we've been given. And so what we're going to do over the next couple of weeks is talk about just that and, and really get to why God wants us to be grateful people. Now, if you're here this morning and you are a Christian, I know not everybody is, and that's fine. But for those of you who are, uh, we are called to be grateful people. Aren't we? When you see the Bible talking about being thankful and being grateful, it's always used as an adjective, right? To describe who we are, to describe how we are, to describe what we're recognized by is being grateful and thankful people, grateful for what God's done for us, right? For all of us, right? God loves us all. He's created us, He's given us life, He died for us on a cross but also being grateful and thankful for the individual things that God has given to us. Maybe that's a prayer that God answered for you or an opportunity that God gave you or a door that he opened for you in your life. And it's a time to reflect and to really slow down and think about what are all the things that God has given to me. And out of a response of that, like as a reaction to what God has done for us, we're called to be thankful. Now, what's interesting is if you read through the Bible, especially the verse in First Thessalonians about gratefulness, is it's actually commanded, right? If you are a Christian that God commands you to be thankful. Here's what it says in First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. He says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You know, a lot of times we ask that question: what is God's will for my life? What does God want me to do? How does he want me to live? What is the will that God has for me life? I just wish I knew what it was. And we can look at verses like this. This is God's will. Like this is literally God's will for our lives as believers, as to give thanks, to be grateful people, to live lives that are grateful, that are appreciative and recognizing what God has given to us and what we have. And it's not just for Christians. It's not just about Christianity. Gratefulness is a huge quality that unfortunately seems like it's uh, lacking these days, the appreciative factor of, of being grateful and thankful for what you have in life. I mean, if you're a parent of a young child, you've probably dedicated hours and hours and hours of your life trying to get your kid to say thank you when they've been given something right? Like even got angry at him, like you will be grateful for what you have, right? We we have to calm down in our house because our boys just blank stare at us when we give them things. But it's important for everybody. It's important for all of us to understand that we've been given a lot, that we've been given a lot of things in life and we need to make sure we're grateful people because of it, because of the things that God gives us, but also because of the things that other people around us have given to us as well. And so what we're going to do over the next couple of weeks is talk about just that, of, of looking at the scripture. Why does God want us to be grateful? You know, he, we know he does, but why is it so important to God that we are grateful people? And so if you want to take notes this morning, you can open up the Church Center app, or if you, you picked up one of those cards on the way, and you can write this down for learning number one. The first reason why God wants us to be grateful is this, because gratefulness keeps us from giving up in life. Being grateful helps us to not give up. It keeps us going. When you read through, especially the New Testament, a huge aspect of salvation is our ability to endure, to keep going, to not give up when life gets hard, to not, to give, not to give up when, when there's trials. You know, you read through the Bible, you'll see words like steadfastness or patience or endurance But it's this drive that we need to have as followers of Christ that gets us to the end, that that doesn't let us give up along the way, along the path in life. Sometimes you'll see phrases like this to fight the good fight, or to run the race, or to endure to the end. And really, what that means is that we're not letting the hardships we go through cause us to give up on what God has for us. And unfortunately, the Bible is pretty clear that not everyone who starts the race is going to finish the race of faith. That there's going to be a lot of people along the way that start the race, start faith. Maybe they hear the word or they go to church or have some experience when they're younger, but by the time they get to the end of their lives, it'll just be in the past. It's not something that they follow anymore. It's not someone they follow anymore. They don't have a relationship with God like they they maybe used to at one point, that there's a lot of people who are going to give up And a lot of people are going to quit, quit on themselves, quit on God, quit on what they believe. When you read through the New Testament, there's a story about, it's a parable of the sower, and it's of this farmer who throws seed out on the dirt, and it lands in four different spots. And one of them, if you remember, is the seed that lands on the shallow soil, And even though the the seed germinates really quickly and shoots up, it says that the sun comes out and it scorches the plant because the, the roots never got a chance to grow deep and strong. And later in that passage, Jesus really clarifies what he's talking about or who he's talking about in Matthew 13. And he says this in verse 20, he says, this seed refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the world, they quickly fall away. So what he's saying here is there's a component to our faith, to what we believe, to who we follow, that when trials come and things get hard, when persecution comes or the world looks at us like we're crazy, that we don't give up. But unfortunately, there's going to be a lot of people that do give up. And when you look at that, you've got to really ask the question, why? Like, what is it so, why is it so important to God that we don't give up? Why is it important that we keep going? And I think the book of Hebrews teaches us this, that there's something on the other side. Like, this isn't just what you see. It's not just your small experience that you have compared to the rest of your life or compared to the rest of the plan God has for you. Even though it might seem really bad and seem really hard now, there's something on the other side of that difficulty that's waiting for you if you can just Get there. Here's what he says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35. He says, So do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now, so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. For in just a little while, the coming one will come and not delay. So he's saying here, he's saying patient endurance is what we need. When we want to give up and when we want to quit, we need the gift of that patient endurance that only God can give to us. And how do we do it? What's the the way we do it? He says this, by remembering the great reward it brings you. Remembering that there's something more to this situation than me just getting through it or me just enduring it or me just making it to the end. There's something waiting for me. There's something waiting for us if we don't give up and we get to the end. See, I think the true power in gratefulness in being thankful in life is that it helps us to focus on what we do have compared to what we don't have, right? When we think about what we do have, it makes us appreciate life a lot more and makes it, it gives us the strength to get through the hard times. But when we focus on what we don't have, right, sometimes we do that by focusing on what everyone else has, But when we focus on what we don't have, that leaves us discouraged. It leaves us frustrated. It leaves us feeling hopeless and helpless. It makes us feel like we've got no value and we've got no meaning. And that kind of stuff makes it really easy to give up, doesn't it? When we're discouraged, when we're struggling, when when we're focusing on all the things we don't have and all the places we aren't in our lives or the things we haven't accomplished, Isn't it a lot easier to throw in the towel and to quit on things? To quit on our faith, maybe even? And maybe that's where you are. Maybe that's where you are this morning, that you are either you've quit or you're on the verge of giving up. Where things have gotten really difficult towards the end of the year. I know sometimes this is the best time of year for for some people. Sometimes it's the worst time of year for others. And you're just, you're at the very last rope and you're ready to give up. You're ready to throw it in. Maybe it's your faith. Maybe you're ready to give up on God. Maybe you just, it's not working out for you. You don't feel God like you used to. You're not experiencing him like you used to. Church doesn't feel the same. Worship doesn't feel the same. You're not getting out of the word what you used to get out of the word and you're just ready to be done. Maybe for you, it's your relationship, your marriage. You've tried and you've tried And you've tried, and it seems like you're getting nowhere. Maybe it's a dream or a goal or something that you've set out to do in your life, and and it just seems like it's not working out that way, and you're just ready to give up. Maybe it's an addiction you've been trying to beat, and you've done so much work and worked so hard and put yourself in such a good spot, but it seems to follow you everywhere you go. Maybe it's school, it's getting difficult. starting to come to the time where it starts to thin the herd of who's really going to do this and keep going and who's going to fall back and choose something different. No matter what it is in our lives, there's always things that are tempting to give up on, aren't there? No matter what stage, no matter what season, no matter what we're going through, there's always something in front of us that doesn't seem like it's working out like we want it to. And the temptation is to give up. Now, I'm not saying that if you give up on something or you want to give up on something that it's you're immediately disobeying God and that's all bad because I do think that there are cases where the best, the wisest, the most godly thing for us to do is to walk away from something or to walk away from someone in our lives. That that's the right thing to do. But I'm not really talking about those times. I'm talking about the times where we give up, not because it's God teaching us and telling us to give up, but we give up because it's too hard. We give up because... It's difficult and and we can't see the other side. Or it feels like we've hit a wall in progress, or we don't see progress, or we don't experience what we thought we would as we've gotten to where we're going. There's a story in the Old Testament I wanna read this morning, and it's the story of Joshua. It's a book of Joshua, and it's not really a book that many people read outside of one story, and it's the story of the walls of Jericho. And if you, you don't remember that story or you've never heard that story, let me just give you a quick recap of what happens. So if you remember uh, God rescuing the Israelites out of Egypt, right? The whole situation with Moses and Pharaoh is kind of a, one of the more popular stories in the Old Testament. Well, the original plan was that God rescue the Israelites out of Egypt and Moses leads them into the promised land, the land that God had promised to Abraham five, 600 years before this. And so they've been waiting for this promise to be fulfilled. And so Moses comes, rescues the Israelites, and he's supposed to bring them out of Egypt and bring them into the promised land. Well, as they're in the wilderness on their way to the promised land, what happens in the story is that the people rebel against God. It's taking too long for them. They've waited long enough, and they start worshiping other gods. And so Moses comes down of Mount Sinai, and he sees all this happening, and God's angry about it. And so part of the punishment for God's people for doing that was that all of those people alive, the entire generation of Israelites were essentially banned from ever stepping foot into the promised land that God had for them. Okay, and so he told them that until the last one of you dies no one will ever step foot into the promised land and that ended up being 40 years of waiting. 40 years until the last person who was Moses died, and God would start uh, fulfilling that promise that he had. And so when Moses dies, Joshua is the guy who takes his place. God appoints Joshua to be the leader of Israel and lead them over the Jordan River and into the promised land, which to get there, they had to go through Jericho. Okay, and if you remember the story, Jericho had these big walls and and the Israelites walked around or marched around the city for seven days. And on the seventh day, they blew the horns and the walls came tumbling down and the Israelites were able to take the city. Okay, that's the the main gist of the story. And, And that's pretty much what everyone knows about the book of Joshua. But what I want to do is I want to backtrack a little bit and to go through some of the details, the lesser talked about details of this story that really point to and show us some of the reasons why we give up so easily in life and what are the things we can do in order to get over the hump of of the hardships and difficulties that often cause us to quit. Okay, and so picking up right where the story starts is Joshua takes over and one of the first things he does is he sends two spies over the Jordan to this new land, okay? They're, they're really, they're spies, but they're really just scouting to see what's ahead. And so these two scouts come back and tell Joshua and all the Israelites, "It's like, here's what we saw. We saw this, this river, and then we saw this great city uh, called Jericho, and you guys need to come see this. This is unlike anything we've ever seen before. Okay, so Joshua, all the Israelites, they get their things and they cross the river and they're standing there looking over this city, the city of Jericho. And like I said, it's unlike anything they'd ever seen before. And the reason it's unlike anything they'd seen before is because this city had walls. And it might sound silly now, but back then there was no concept of surrounding a city with a walled defense. Because that hadn't really been a thing yet. No one was doing that. And so uh, it was typically just open space. And, you know, people like walled off, you know, houses in certain places within the city. But there was never anything like Jericho. It was something that was uh, really troubling to this army because there was no way for them to get over the wall. What were they going to do? How were they going to do this uh, and, and accomplish the purpose that God had for them Now, the reason why I'm telling you this is because it's one of the reasons why so many of us give up. And it's learning number two. We often give up because our perspective is limited. Okay, so the Israelites roll up to Jericho and they see these walls. And again, it's unlike anything they'd ever seen before. And just to give you a visual of it, it's, it was basically a, a circular wall. Okay, so there's kind of like a, I'll draw it this way, kind of a circular wall. And then inside of that wall was another layer of wall. Okay, And inside those two layers of walls were houses, it's where people lived, it's where businesses were. Um, if you remember, uh, the woman uh, Rahab talked a lot about in the New Testament, she actually lived within the, the middle of those walls. She was the one that, that really supported and had faith in God to those two spies, for those two spies to tell them what was going on, right? So there's this whole fortress basically set up, and the Israelites have no idea what they're going to do. Right? Like they, they, for the lack of a better way, they literally hit a wall. Okay, they don't know how they're going to get over it. They've never seen anything like this, which means that there's no such thing as siege equipment yet. There's no battering rams that they can just go place up in front of the door and knock it down. They have no idea what they're going to do. How are they going to get over this wall and and conquer this land that God had given to them? And here's what it says in Joshua chapter 6, verse 1. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one went in. There was no way to get out. There was no way to get in. And so they have no idea how they're going to win this battle. The only option they really have at this point is a war of attrition. right? To to not let anyone out from the city, don't let anyone with food or water into the city and basically starve them out until they either uh, give up or they come out and fight because they've got no choice, and then we win that way. And the Israelites, there was like 40,000 of them compared to maybe 2,000 in Jericho. It wasn't a huge city, It was just tall. The walls were enormous. It made it seem absolutely impossible. Now, the problem with a war of attrition and waiting them out was if you read a couple chapters before this, it says that they had just harvested their annual harvest, which meant that their stockpiles were overflowing with food. And there was actually a spring inside of the walls where they could get fresh water every single day. So this wasn't going to be like a let's just wait out a couple of days or let's wait out a couple of weeks. This was going to be a very very difficult, very very long process. And oftentimes when we face similar situations like this, it makes it really easy to just turn around and walk away. Right? This is too hard, this is too difficult. Like things were going great and things were going awesome until we roll up to this situation and and then this all happens there's a wall in front of us we can't get by it and it makes it really easy for us to quit and to give up maybe it's in a relationship that where you're at in your marriage or where where you are in your relationship it seems like you've hit a wall it seems like no matter what you do you can't get over whatever this is or whatever the situation is that's getting in between you both Maybe it's in your career or your job where you've worked so hard and you had so many ideas of how this was going to go. And, and maybe you even worked your way to the top. This is as high as you can get. And you got there and you're like, this is not what I was expecting. And, and you just don't know what to do at this point. You don't want to start over, but you feel stuck because there's nowhere else for you to go. It could be in any area in our lives. It could be a dream or a goal or a vision that you had, you set out to accomplish. Maybe you wanted to lose weight or maybe you wanted to move to a certain place or to start over somewhere else or whatever that might be. You had this goal of something you wanted and and then something happened to where it worked as like a wall. The momentum stopped, your drive stopped, your passion for it went away and you feel like you're stuck. That's a recipe for disaster, isn't it? That's a recipe for us to quit and to give up because we don't see around it. And, and even though sometimes that happens, sometimes we hit walls because God is showing us there's nothing left for us there. But other times it's because we have a limited perspective. Sometimes it's because we just can't see on the other side of the wall. Or, or the plans or the ways we've lived our lives up until this point, it's not working out, right? Where we don't, ha- we don't have any wisdom or we don't know how we're gonna get over this because we've never faced this trial before. That's part of the difficulty in, in following God, isn't it? Is we've got to trust in God who doesn't have a limited perspective, who he sees the the beginning, the the present, and he sees the end. And we've got to trust him that what he says and what he tells us and what he promises us is actually going to happen. Because check out verse 2. This is what he says right after he tells him that the walls are too big, they can't get in, there's no one getting in, there's no one getting out. Here's what he says next in verse 2. He says, "'But see, I've delivered Jericho into your hands.'" And if you notice something about this, he's talking in the past tense. He's saying, I've already given you this. I'm already planning to give you this. I've already won this battle. I've already been victorious for you. You've just got to wait it out and trust me that I've done it. You can't look at the current circumstances you're in. You can't look at the big walls in front of you. You can't stop where you're at thinking that there's no way past this. You've got to trust me that have already figured out a way for you to be victorious. I promised you this. I'm going to give you this. You just have to trust. So they're standing here and they're thinking, how are we going to get in here? How are we going to conquer this enemy? How are we going to walk into and inherit the promised land that we've been waiting for, for 400, 500 years? And we we get here and, and there's a giant wall. And so he continues in Joshua chapter 6, verse 3. And this is the plan. This is the plan that God gives to Joshua and the Israelites of how they're going to do it. He says, you and your fighting men should march around Jericho once a day for six days in complete silence. On the seventh day, you're to march around the seven times with the priest blowing horns. When you hear the priest give one long blast on the ram's horn, have the people shout as loud as they can. Then the walls of Jericho will collapse and the people can charge straight into the town. Okay, so that's the plan. And to be completely honest with you, that's kind of a weird plan. <laughs> okay, it's easy for us to look at it, you know, thousands of years later and be like, oh, that's, a, that's genius, right? At the time, that's got to sound like something less like God would tell you and something more like someone in college would tell you when they've had a little bit too much to drink, <laughs> right? Like, dude, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna run around the quad seven times, (laughs) completely silent, and on the seventh time we're gonna scream and then run through the door, right? Like this seems dumb. I'll just be honest, right? This seems like it's pointless. It seems like this isn't gonna accomplish anything at all. And it seems kind of silly, to be honest. Right? Think about being a soldier. Right? You've lived your whole life kind of like a burly man, and, and you're ready to go to battle. You're ready to, to fight, and you're ready to conquer something. And, and the, the instruction you get is to, one, wait a week, but two, circle around this giant fortress of a city every day for seven days. Right? That seems like it's not going to accomplish very much. And on top of that, I was just talking to someone in between services, from a military perspective, you're really sitting ducks at that point. Like if they've got archers or people on the walls shooting down at you, you're making yourself a target by just walking around and not doing anything of, uh, that, that would help you to, to accomplish that goal you have. And again, that's one of the reasons why a lot of us give up. And it's learning number three is we often give up when progress isn't obvious. It's really easy to give up when we put so much time and so much effort and energy and resources, maybe that's money, we put so much into something and what we get back is is hardly anything, or at least what we see is hardly anything, right? Sometimes in life, when we don't see progress, we don't see results, it makes things hard to keep going on. But I think everyone in this room has probably, you know, made a commitment to lose weight, right, to go on a diet. And by like day two or three, what do you feel like? Right? You feel like death. Right? You just want to you feel terrible, like nothing, you know, that you ate, you can't eat anything that you want to eat. Everything looks good to you. And 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 what happens sometimes? We're we're doing it, we're doing good for two or three days and it's hurting and it's painful and we don't want to keep going. And then we step on the scale and it looks no different then than it did a week ago. I mean, that sleeve of Oreos looks a whole lot better at that point than it did before, right? Right? It's easy to give up. It's super easy to give up when we don't see progress, when we don't see the results, especially when what we've put into it doesn't get matched with the progress we're making. And in life, a lot of times when we're doing that in relationships, maybe you invested all this time and energy into your spouse, or into helping them with their goals and helping them with their visions and dreams in life, but they're not doing that back to you. Or maybe it is something like a goal or physical, or you want to lose weight or gain muscle or run a race and you're doing all this work, but it doesn't seem like you're making any progress at all. Or you come in early to work and you work so hard and you stay later than everybody else, but your boss overlooks you for someone else that that hasn't been doing all that stuff, right? Isn't that discouraging? Doesn't that make you feel like you fail? Doesn't that make you feel like you're not being seen and you're not being noticed by sometimes the most important people in our lives? Right, that is textbook situation of of us or textbook reason why we give up each and every single day. It demoralizes us. I mean, think about the army, these Israelites. They've been waiting for so long for God to fulfill this promise But they hit this wall and the plan God gives them makes no sense, seems silly, seems kind of dangerous actually, and it doesn't feel like what they're doing is going to make any progress. Like like if God was just going to knock the walls down, why can't he just do it? Why do we have to walk around every day for seven days and do all this, this nonsense it seems to get him to do that? Why doesn't he just knock down the walls for us and let us in? See there's always more to the story than what we realize isn't it and sometimes getting those things that God has for us requires for us to take steps of faith in order to get what we what he's called us to get. And so what do we do? What do we do in the moments of discouragement? What do we do when we hit a wall? How do we push through? How do we, like if God's got a gift of perseverance for us and, and he can give us the ability to withstand the trials, to press forward and to press on in the hard times, how do, we, how do we tap into that? How do we get God to show us that? And it's learning number four, something very simple. When we feel like giving up, we need to remember. We need to Remember. And that might seem like I forgot the second half of this learning, uh, but I promise it's it's what it is. We need to remember. We need to look back on the times in our lives and remember what life was like at other times. To remember back to the moments in our lives where we wanted to give up before, where we felt hopeless, where we felt like there was no way around it, We felt like we had no hope. We felt like there was no way forward and we wanted to give up and remember back to those moments when God showed up in our lives and made a way when we saw no other way. I think one of the things as Christians we often forget is the power of our ability to remember or to look back on times and and periods in our lives when we felt depressed and we felt sick, when we felt alone and we felt worthless. And to remember those moments of how we got out of those, of of what God did and how he provided doors he opened or prayers he answered to get us from where we were to where we ended up. The power of remembering is crazy, right? Have you ever been driving down the street and you hear a song on the radio or plays on your playlist and it just makes you remember something back in your life maybe back in high school or in college and just you feel it right like if you've moved away at some point in your life and you go back to visit where you grew up and you drive around and see some of those spots maybe you see your old school or you see your old house you used to live in or you you walk in there and you kind of run into a friend that brings back a lot of memories isn't it crazy sometimes you can feel what it was like back at that point like it's almost that nostalgia that washes over you Right, doesn't that sometimes help us to move forward in life? I think when you read through the scripture, one of the commands we have and one of the instructions we see is, is to remember. Remember what God did for you. Remember what God had given to you. Remember what God has said or what God has promised you because if you forget it, it's gonna make it so it's so difficult to find hope. It's gonna be really difficult to find the strength and the ability to keep going when things are hard. Here's what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 6, and this happens right after God gives Moses the law in the Old Testament. He says this, be careful not to forget the Lord, the one who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. Notice how he doesn't say, don't forget the law. He does eventually say that, but in this case, what does he say? He says, remember, don't forget the Lord. Be careful not to forget God the times when you were crying out as slaves in Egypt. Remember back to how that felt. Remember back to how needy you were and how desperate you were. And remember when you cried out for help. Did I ignore you then? Did I just tell you to fend for yourself and figure it out on your own? No, I rescued you. I sent Moses to come rescue out of that. Or remember back when you know, the, Israel or the Egyptians were chasing you, you thought you were free, you thought you could just walk away and, and you were pressed up against the Red Sea and they were coming behind you and you didn't know what you were gonna do. Did I just abandon you? No, I, rest, I parted the sea and made it so you could cross that river safely and walk into the promise that I have for you. Later in the Bible, there's a guy named King David who goes through something similar where he's on the run. He's running for his life And and Saul and his army are trying to kill David because David was a threat to his throne. And David is in a cave and he's afraid, he's anxious. He has no idea what he's gonna do. He has no idea how this is all gonna work out. And this is the prayer that he prays in Psalm 143. He says, I remember the days of long ago. I meditate on all your works and consider what your hands have done. He says, I'm recalling those moments in my life before now where I felt the same way, where the circumstances felt like I had nowhere to run to or go to, where I felt helpless, where I felt abandoned, when my life was in danger and it seemed like there was no other options than to just die. He says, I remember back to those times and remember how you saved me and how you rescued me and how you came through for me when nobody else did, and when no one else thought it was possible, including myself. Sometimes when we are about to give up, the best thing we can do is to remember what it was like before when we felt the same, and remember how God came through in ways that we weren't even ready for. And the concept is this, is if God could do it then, if I could trust God then, then I can trust him now. If he was trustworthy enough to rescue me then, then he's trustworthy enough to come through and rescue me now. If that hard thing that I was going through seemed impossible then, but God made a way, then this hard thing that I'm going through now that seems impossible, he can make a way too. And then you look at the story of Joshua, same kind of thing happened. The exact same thing happened where Joshua pressed up against this, right? And, and they don't know what to do. And the Israelites are trying to think of this is like a weird plan. We don't know how this is going to work out. There's this wall we hit. We can't walk into the promised land. What are we going to do? Well, if you look back a couple of chapters before that, God gives them exactly the same thing and has them remember something that happened before. So remember, they're crossing over the Jordan River before they get to Jericho. Okay. And so the problem is how are we going to cross the river? Right, they run into this issue where this is like a, a very large river. It's very fast flowing. This isn't just something we can cross over and hope for the best. Many people would die if we did this. So what are we going to do? And God tells Joshua, he said, here's what I'm going to do. When the priests, the, the 12 priests in your group, when they walk into the river and they're holding the Ark of the Covenant, which is God's presence at that point, when they touch their feet into the river, the river is going to stop. I'm going to stop the stream, and I'm going to allow for you to cross. And so the 12 priests go ahead, and that's exactly what happened. As soon as they set foot in the river, the water completely stops. And all of the Israelites, all 40,000 of them are able to cross the river and get over to the other side. But here's what I want to read to you, because here's what happens after they get to the other side safely. In Joshua chapter 4, he says this, So Joshua called together the 12 men and told them, go into the middle of the Jordan in front of the ark of the Lord your God. Each one of you must pick up a stone and carry it on your shoulder. Use these stones to build a memorial. In the future, your children will ask you, what do these stones mean? Then you can tell them, they remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the ark of the Lord's covenant went across. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. In other words, what he's saying here is, I want you to build a memorial so that you never forget. So that whenever you go by this memorial, these stones, you can see and be reminded of God's faithfulness in an impossible time in your life. That Remember when it was so difficult? Remember when it was so hard you had no idea what you were going to do? But God made a way. I want you to build a memorial and set it up so that every time you walk by this, every time you see this, and when, when future generations of children see this and they ask what these stones are, you can tell them, this is a time in my life where I had no hope. I had no way around it. I had no way through it. And God made a way. God was faithful then, and he can be faithful now you think Joshua knew that in just a couple days from then, his entire army, the people of God, the people who've been looking up to him and trusting him, were going to come into a situation where they're going to need to trust God like their lives depend on it, literally? I think so. And I think obviously God knew that because God's perspective isn't limited, but he was, what he was doing here was setting up places along their lives. And he does this a lot. You read through the Old Testament, there's memorials for everything. And I think that's so cool because even for us, years and years later, there's so many of us that can look back on the times where things have been really difficult. We might have forgotten them because we don't like focusing on a lot of that stuff. But there was times in our lives where there didn't seem to be a way. It didn't seem like there was a way around it. But God made a way. One of the best things we can do to be grateful is to remember those moments, to make memorials in our lives, to write them down and never forget those, to to turn to them when things get difficult and when we do go through hard seasons of our lives. And maybe that's what you need to do for this season is to, to look back and think of the times in your life where God has come through for you and to remember back to the moments where you didn't think there was a way, but God made a way. And here you stand in another trial in another difficult situation, needing the strength to go on, Maybe all it's going to take is is to remember. To remember that there's something on the other side. Here's what Paul says in the book of Galatians, chapter 6, verse 9, and then we'll close. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Let's pray. Lord, we, we come to you this morning and we recognize there's so many of us going through different things. There's those of us here and those of us watching online who are going through a fight of their lives where they want it to be over. They want their lives to be over. They want this, this season to be over. They want the situation they're in to be completely over because they have no idea how they're going to move forward with it and they just want to give up. And God, I just pray for that gift of perseverance that only you can give, that you would fill them up with that strength and give them that ability and that power to get through. God, help us to never forget the times in our lives that you have come through in ways when we weren't expecting it. Or maybe it was something in a relationship where we had no idea how we were gonna get across this bridge, but you made a way. Where we were ready to give up but you gave us the strength to keep going. Help us to never forget how good you are. Help us to never focus on what we don't have but always be reminded of what we do have and what you have given to us and help us to, to make that turn us into grateful people. God, we love you so much and we ask that you bless us and bless this season of our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, as always, thank you so much for being here with us. Just two big announcements I want to leave you with before we leave. The first one is, if you've probably noticed over the last couple of weeks, there's a lot of shoe boxes out front. And in the lobby, that's Operation Christmas Child. Every year, we've got a group that goes through and uh, really puts those together and tries to get folks to, to take one of those boxes home and fill it up for, uh, with gifts for families who are in need and who are not going to have a Christmas. So um, we are actually, this is the last Sunday you can pick up a box, and they're all due back by next Sunday. So if that's something you've been looking at and and wanting to do, please consider that as an option maybe for you to to serve and give back if you've got the means to do that. Um, Like I said, next week is going to be the drop-off date. So if you pick it up today, make sure to bring it back. Uh, and put it on that table. The second thing is, there's been a food drive we've done the last couple of weeks as well for the Christmas store local downtown in Christiansburg. And they help families in need as well of people who aren't going to have things for Christmas and don't have presents for their kids especially. And so we've been raising uh, or collecting canned goods, but also some, uh, some items like coats and jackets and gloves and socks and shoes for families who won't have it. So if you want to do that, actually, we're going to drop that off sometime this week. And so uh, I, I know this is the second service, you're not really coming back, but if you do want to give and you do want to support the Christmas store, feel free to do that and just drop it off at the front door and we'll have someone pick it up probably tomorrow or Tuesday. But again, thank you so much for being here. I want to invite you to come back next week, invite a friend as we continue week two in our new series of Grateful. Have a great week.